0: Well good morning everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Hayesville, North Carolina. Welcome to a Friday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. Last day of March, the 31st of March 2023. Getting ready for a, uh, a big basketball weekend. Of course uh, Major League Baseball opening the season yesterday which is where my life begins. <laughs> My wife is really thrilled that we'll have baseball just about every day between now and the end of October. It's a beautiful thing. Um, apologize for not being here the last couple of days. I ended up with a, uh, uh, a, a case of poison ivy that uh, went into my eyes and uh, other unmentionable places. And it was so bad my eyes were uh, practically sealed shut for two days. My wife probably wishes my mouth was sealed shut for two days, but my eyes were, i you know, I ended up going to the doctor, got a steroid shot, and then six days' worth of steroid pills, so I have so much energy this morning, now that my eyes are open, that I will probably clean and paint the entire house, and maybe everybody in the neighborhood, too. Uh, running on very little sleep, because steroids do that to you, I, got, I think I got about three hours each of the last two nights, so... Anyway, so we, uh, we got a lot to talk about this morning. Before we get to the baseball from yesterday, a couple of quick things. If you remember the last time we were here on uh, Tuesday, we talked about uh, uh, that debacle with the school in uh, Florida that fired their principal because uh, the, uh, the statue of David was shown in an art class. And come to find out that this small school, it's a, uh, a magnet school in Florida, was aligned with a college in Michigan. Uh, They had a relationship with them uh, to use their uh, classical education curriculum. Well, that college, Hillsdale College in Michigan, has severed its relationship with this school down in Florida, uh, the Tallahassee Classical School. And at the end of the year, they will no longer uh, have a license to use their curriculum. Uh, And they said very simply, the drama uh, around Michelangelo's David sculpture, one of the most important works of art in, ex- in existence, has become a distraction from and a parody of the actual aims of classical education. Of course, Hillsdale's K-12 through art curriculum includes Michelangelo's David and other works of art that depict the human form. So, uh, some sanity. Gotta love it you know Florida is out of control Ron DeSantis and the kind of stuff that's going on in Florida oh my god you think Donald Trump was bad the problem with DeSantis is, is he's Donald Trump but he's smarter i think um and we won't even get into the whole Donald Trump indictment thing you can it would, uh, it's all i hope is whatever whatever's going on it stops him from running again you, you know it's a, just a circus anyway um just before the opening day games, word came down that Major League Baseball and the minor leaguers have reached a tentative deal on the first collective bargaining agreement that includes minor league ball players. Of course, uh, the minor league players are now being represented by the MLB Players Association. Well, this tentative deal that they've got, it still has to be voted on by the players and ratified by the owners, but if this comes to fruition... Uh, it is a huge boon to minor league players. Triple-A um, players right now, one step away from the major leagues where the minimum salary is like 700 k Triple-A players right now make, unless they have a deal in their contract that they sign with the club, are making about seventeen five a year, and they only get paid during the season. That will uh, double to thirty, almost $36,000 a year. Uh, double A players will make it 30 grand. High A will make 27, single A 26, um, you know, which is great. I mean, it's still not a living wage, but we're getting closer. Um, and it's about time that something like this happened. I, 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 I definitely think it will be, uh, passed by the players, and then it's just a matter of the owners going for it. And look, uh, it's got some things that gives back to Major League Baseball that it's going to limit the, uh, number of players at uh, uh, on the domestic reserve list from 180 to 165. And so it's going gonna, it's gonna to shrink the pool a little bit. But by and large, I think uh, this works out well for the players, including uh, full rights to their name, image, and likeness, which had been controlled by the league. Now they can go out and uh, leverage their own group licensing deals with the Major League Baseball Players Association. Uh, so positive news um, in, in the labor front. With baseball, so uh, that's good. Now, baseball yesterday. Oh, my God, it was so great. Other than the fact that I'm really glad I was not at Fenway Park yesterday. Oh, my God. Um, Yesterday was the first game that's ever been played at Fenway Park in March. And, you know, whether it's March 31st or April 30th or April 1st, it doesn't really matter. It's cold in Boston. You shouldn't be playing baseball in Boston in March. You know, it's very rare that you get a, a warm day uh, in, in April in Boston. And it just, yesterday's game time temperature was like 38 degrees and the wind was blowing. Oh, Lord. Awful. Um, the pitch clock. The new pitch clock played a role in a lot of games yesterday. Marcus Stroman, the starting pitcher for the Chicago Cubs, has the distinction of being the first regular season pitch clock violation. (laughs) Uh, Didn't bother him. He still pitched six shutout innings, and the Cubs beat uh, Milwaukee 4-0 on opening day. But uh, he was paying too much attention to the runner and uh, took too long to deliver the pitch and got called for ball one. Uh, Rafi Devers of the Boston Red Sox goes down in the books as the first player to strike out on a pitch clock violation. You know, and uh, uh, he was looking down, kicking debris off his cleats, and uh, the umpire said that he wasn't ready in time, and so that was strike three. And look, he, Alex Cora didn't have any sympathy for Rafi either. He said, look. There's no excuse. They know the rules. They went through, you know, a month of spring training with this, uh, you know, and I don't know if some of these guys thought, you know, that it was going to change when the regular season started, but it obviously didn't. Um, there was a, uh, a three-pitch walk yesterday. Colin McHugh uh, coming in in relief for the Atlanta Braves, got called for a violation uh, that made it a 1-0 count on uh, Jamar Candelario. He threw three more balls, so essentially it was a three-pitch walk. And, you know, we're going to see things like that. Uh, You know, it happened in the Mets game with Jeff McNeil. He was pissed off. He was watching the runner retreat to first base after a foul ball. And because he didn't get back in the box and he was watching uh, his teammate get back to first, he got called for a violation because he wasn't ready. And, And, you know, look. I think that some of this is a little silly, like the O'Neill thing, for instance, You know where he's waiting for his teammate to get back to first base before he steps in. Um, it seems to me there should be a little leeway uh, with the umpires as to when that pitch clock starts. But right now, it seems like there is no leeway. It is just, you know... Uh, the ball is fouled, the ball, whatever. As soon as the ball is back to the pitcher, boom, the clock starts and nobody seems to care what else is going on in the field. Um, But anyway, um, and as far as the Red Sox game, well, 2023 was very reminiscent of 2022. Can we throw a damn strike? I'm begging you. You know, look, there was much made of the fact that the Red Sox went out and signed all these relievers. You know, that it was going to be, you know, a new day with the Boston bullpen. And they went out and they signed Corey Kluber. Um, and Corey Kluber is a guy that doesn't walk a lot of people. You know, last year, with the Tampa Bay Rays, he threw one hundred and sixty four innings. He only walked twenty one guys all year. He walked four yesterday. The Red Sox pitchers walked nine guys. Nine. And their offense tried like hell to make up for it late. But, you know, it's trying it's like trying to close the barn door after the horse got out. So Corey Kluber last three and a third inning, six hits, five runs, four walks gave up two bombs including one to Adley Rutschman who had a uh, a day to remember 5 for 5 for the kid that was the runner up in the rookie of the year voting last year you know uh, uh you know look this kid is a really good player and he parked one in the right field seats and look he became the first catcher to go 5-for-5 on opening day, and the first catcher on any day to go 5-for-5 and hit a home run. I mean, all time. (laughs) So uh, it was as good as it gets. Um, But after they get Kluber, they bring in Zach Kelly, who promptly throws a wild pitch, then walks a guy, gets a couple of strikeouts, but walks another guy, forces in a run, I mean, unbelievable. Then they bring in Ryan Brazier, the guy that a lot of us didn't think should be on the damn roster to begin with, right? So Brazier comes out for the sixth inning. What does he do? He plunks the first guy. Now, then he gets a double play, and you're thinking, all right, great. Disaster's going to be averted. Well, then what happens? Walk, stolen base, RBI single, stolen base, wild pitch, walk, stolen base, RBI single, and then finally a line out to center. And it's 8-2. to two. Ryan Brazier was an absolute disaster. Two hits, three runs, two walks, a hit batter. through 35 pitches in an inning. Then they bring in Caleb Bort, another guy. I don't understand what the hell he's doing on the roster. Down in uh, a spring training, he was the human equivalent of a gas can. Gave up, I think, like. Like six, seven, eight home runs in spring training was just getting beat to death. He made me want to run to a bat rack at sixty-three years of age. Well, what happens yesterday? Guess what? Four hits, two runs. I mean, you know, I don't want to hear all oh, the stuff is there. No, it's not. Stinks. Stinks. So it was brutal. Um, but look, the good news is. It's game one. The bad news is that we have 161 more of those. You know, look, fans were booing in the fourth inning yesterday. Look, this team has finished in last place four times in the last 10 years. And people, you know, all the world championships that they've won recently, you know, in in this century uh, or in the last, you know, 20 years, people don't care. They, what have you done for me lately? That's what baseball is. And I, you know, look in this division, this American League East, with the Yankees, and obviously the Orioles are going to be a, you know, they maybe not have, maybe they weren't a fluke last year, and the Rays and the Blue Jays. If you're the Red Sox, you can't be, you know, six games out, seven games out at the end of April. April is huge for the Red Sox. They have got to get off to a good start. If they don't, they're buried. You know, so you don't want to get carried away, but it's hard not to. It really is. Um, The other good news from yesterday, though, Masa Yoshida looks like he can hit a little bit. Had a couple of hits. um, Had an RBI. And he's going to have to learn to hit pitching that is a lot faster than what he sees in Japan. You don't see triple digits in Japan as much as you do here in the United States. But he's going to be able to make adjustments because the other thing he's got to adjust to is the weather. This is a guy that played his entire career in a dome. Right? He's not used to playing where it's thirty eight degrees and windy, so that's that was a good sign. Um, yeah. other than that, I'm searching. I mean look, uh you know you gotta be happy, I guess if you're the Red Sox and Alex Verdugo hit well at the top of the lineup. Devers had a couple of hits. Justin Turner hit the ball well. I mean uh you know uh, uh, they had a triple in the first inning. But the pitching's got to be better. They cannot continue to run out these relievers and have them walk the ballpark. You can't have your starter walking four guys, a guy who doesn't ever ever walk a lot of people, and especially a guy like Corey Kluber who pitches to contact doesn't have the juice anymore to blow somebody away at 97 miles an hour. You know, his fastball now is like 90. You know, he needs that sinker, and he and, and in the fourth inning when he got into trouble, everything he threw was up just had hit me all over it. So, uh, you know, again, you don't want to overreact. It's game one. However, the Red Sox were the only team in the American League East to lose a game yesterday. We'll get to the rest of that in a bit. Um, since I live down here in North Carolina, and our our quote-unquote local team down here is the uh, the Atlanta Braves. They are... About two and a half hours from here. About two, hours. actually, it's about a little over two hours to the ballpark. It's a beautiful ballpark. My wife and I went to a game there last year. Uh, the Braves win on day one. Not a surprise. They're playing the Washington Nationals. They beat the Nationals seven to two. However, if you're the Braves, your ace Max Fried leaves the game in the fourth inning with a hamstring. Now they hope they're they're saying it's not serious. It was more of a strain. He's probably going to go on the injured list for 10 days or so, going to miss at least one start, maybe two. They're hoping that's as far as it goes. Uh, But the difference is when the Braves go to the bullpen, their bullpen does a nice job. Right? They go to the bullpen yesterday for five and two-thirds. They give up four hits and a run. Lucas Litke gets the win. And uh, Patrick Corbin started for Washington. And, man, I'll tell you what, Patrick Corbin, when he was in Arizona, looked like he was, you know, going to have himself a hell of a career. But the last uh, couple of years, well, the last few years in Washington have been a disaster. His first couple of years in – his first year in Washington, when he came over from Arizona, he was pretty good. But his last three years have been brutal. I mean – Listen to this. The last three years with Corbin, not counting yesterday, ERA 4.66, 5.82, 6.31. Notice a trend? (laughs) He gave up seven hits, a couple of earned runs in three innings yesterday. He left the game with an ERA of six. I mean, just if you're Washington, I know things are bad, but I don't know how long you can go with this guy. My God. Uh, You know, and Washington doesn't help themselves. Their young shortstop yesterday. CJ Abrams makes three errors in the game. I mean, just you can't you can't do that against a really good Braves team. Uh, Travis Darno, who is going to be part of a catching tandem with Sean Murphy this year. Uh, they acquired Murphy, of course, from Oakland in the offseason. They had Darno in it the designated hitter yesterday. He went four for five. Murphy, is the catcher, went 0 for 5. But look, uh, Ronald Acuna had a couple of hits. Matt Olson with a couple of hits. Ozzie Albies with a couple of hits. You know, just what you would expect. So the Braves get off to a good start, and uh, they will have today off. They will play again on Saturday. Matter of fact, uh, the Red Sox are off today, too. Matter of fact, a good part of Major League Baseball is off today. Um, simply because they, a lot of the teams build in an extra day off knowing that there is a good chance that your first game may not be played uh, because of the weather. So a lot of teams will take uh, the, the day after opening day off, and, and that's the case around a good portion of Major League Baseball uh, today. Uh, the Braves' uh, biggest competition for the National League East title this year, the New York Mets win. They beat the Marlins 5-3. to three. Uh, look, the Marlins are going to be better this year. Their offense struggled last year, but they did the right thing. They went out and they got some some offense by adding uh, Luis Arias from the Minnesota Twins. That was a good move for them and uh, Arias with a couple of hits yesterday, drove in a run. Um, but other than that, the Marlins' bats were kind of quiet. Sandy Alcantara started for the Marlins, pitched into the sixth inning, actually went five and two-thirds, but was up around the 100-pitch mark. They had to take him out, um, and then the Mets get to the bullpen. Brandon Nimmo, a two-run double, the difference in this one in the seventh inning, and the Mets win it 5-3. Max Scherzer wasn't great yesterday, um, but he was okay, but gave up a home run. Six innings, four hits, and three runs. He picks up the W. And David Robertson, who looks like he is going to be the closer for the Mets with the absence of Edwin Diaz, of course, who blew out his uh, patella tendon in his his knee uh, at the World Baseball Classic. Robertson comes on in the ninth inning and gets a one 2 3 nine, strikes out two of the three batters he faces, picks up his first save of the season, and the Mets get things off. On the right foot, they win that thing 5-3. to three. Uh, Marte with a couple of hits for the Mets. And uh, McNeil, uh, who had a bit of a run-in with the umpire on a uh, pitch clock violation call, ended up getting a single right after that, even though he got called on strike one. He ends up getting a single anyway, but he got a couple of hits in the game as well. So the Mets get off uh, on a good foot. The Mets will play today. Uh, David Peterson will take on Jesus Lazardo. Uh, who came over from the Oakland Athletics, who will get the start for the Marlins in the game today. Um, The New York Yankees do what the Yankees do. Garrett Cole was on the hill, so you knew that the San Francisco Giants were going to have an uphill battle, and Garrett Cole was really good yesterday. Uh, Cole goes six innings, three hits. He strikes out 11. He set a Yankee record for strikeouts on opening day, breaking the mark of nine set by Tim Leary back in 1991. By the way, one of the people he struck out was his brother-in-law, Brandon Crawford. Uh, But on the other side, Logan Webb struck out 12 for the Giants. So those two guys combined, it was just the fourth time since 1901. Uh, Check that third time since 1901 that both pitchers, have struck out double digits in a game. The last time it happened uh, was DeGrom and Scherzer did it in uh, 2019 when they faced off against each other. And then back in 1970, Dave McNally uh, of the Baltimore Orioles and Sam McDowell of the Cleveland Indians did it. Uh, So uh, we saw a lot of strikeouts, but, you know, that's something that uh, uh, we have seen a lot. Uh, The Yankee game, by the way, two hours and 33 minutes. You know, and that's one thing with the Red Sox game. They've talked about the pitch clock, and we've you know, all spring training, and we talked about it at the start of this show. Um, it didn't matter in the Red Sox game, three hours and ten minutes. But then again, when your pitchers are walking nine guys and you're throwing wild pitches and, uh, you know, I think the Orioles stole five bases in the game. I mean, when all those things happen, it's going to take time, pitch clock, or no. So the Red Sox were <laughs> – we're right on point, three hours and 10 minutes. Um, but uh, the Yankees got theirs over in two hours and 33. We're going to take a quick break when we come back. Uh, some more hitting going on, a, a big day uh, in St. Louis, but not for the Cardinals, uh, for the Toronto Blue Jays. Back in a minute, you're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 30 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a Friday morning. A very amped up Gene Gums. Glad to be with you. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do with all this energy today. Um, I, I I expect at some point when these steroids start to wear off, I'm probably just going to collapse for a couple of days and sleep. Um, I went. I tried to sleep last night. I was ended up getting up about three o'clock in the morning. That's happened the last two two nights in a row. Got to, Jesus, jeez, I don't know what I'm doing. Going to do with do myself. Uh, anyway, so what I did last night was watch a lot of baseball, and then of course I watched. Um, I taped a couple of games when I went to bed, and I was able to watch some of those this morning when I got up. And one of the games that I taped, uh, the Toronto Blue Jays, yesterday beat the St. Louis Cardinals in a game that uh, featured 19 runs. 34 hits. Again, uh, it doesn't matter what the pitch clock is when there's that kind of production in the game. This one took three hours and 38 minutes. Uh, My God. But uh, what a game for the Toronto Blue Jays. They win it with two runs in the ninth inning. George Springer, uh, the Connecticut kid, went to UConn uh, five for six yesterday. Scored four runs. Dante Bichette with four hits. Uh, from the second spot in that Toronto lineup. Vlad Jr. with a couple of hits and three runs, batting it up and down this lineup. Uh, Chapman had three hits at third base. I mean, they just pummeled the Cardinal pitching staff. Miles Michaelis, uh, their ace, three and a third innings, ten hits, five runs. Yikes. And uh, then they, uh, they beat up the bullpen pretty good. Uh, Hicks, the kid who throws, you know, 105 miles an hour, gives up three hits and two runs. And then Helsley came in to try to close it out. He ends up giving up a couple of hits and a walk, and uh, the uh, Toronto Blue Jays end up winning this thing by a final of 10-9. to nine. Alec Manoa got the star for Toronto. He didn't fare any better, nine hits and five runs. And uh, then it was a parade of seven relievers for the Toronto Blue Jays uh that got him through this game unbelievable uh Jordan Romano struck out two in a perfect ninth inning to pick up the save uh for the Blue Jays in this one uh, uh the surprise how about how about the uh, national anthem yesterday i don't know if you saw this Adam Wainwright who is currently on the injured list um and hopes to be back in a week or so sang the national anthem prior to the game uh, did a pretty good job too um but he is uh, he has a uh a bit of a sidelight. He is a guitar player and a bit of a musician and sings a little bit. And uh, not a bad job, not a bad job, uh, in, in doing it in front of forty-seven thousand people. Uh, they will resume that series on Saturday again. They have today off. Jack Flaherty is going to start Game Two for St. Louis, and Kevin Gausman, uh, who was twelve and ten with a three-three-five ERA, will start uh, for the Toronto Blue Jays tomorrow. Uh, but as I said, the Red Sox. The only ones in that American League East to lose yesterday. Hey, the two World Series participants from last year, both lost yesterday. The Houston Astros got beat by the Chicago White Sox. 3-2 Dylan Cease uh, picked up where he left off last year. Six and a third, just two hits and a run. He struck out 10. Uh, Framber Valdez got the start for Houston, five shutout innings. Bullpen did a great job uh, until it got to the ninth inning, and Houston Brought on their closer, Ryan Presley, and uh, he could not close it out. And uh, the White Sox outhit the Houston Astros 11-4 to and win the game 3-2. to Odd sight seeing Jose Abreu, who played his entire career with the Chicago White Sox, getting the start at first base for the Houston Astros and ended up getting a uh, hit off of his old team. Uh, Houston with just four hits in this game. Uh, as they go down to defeat 3-2. to two. And uh, the Philadelphia Phillies, whew, they would like to forget this one. Uh, look, they knew they had their hands full because they were going to be facing Jacob deGrom. Well, that didn't seem to be too much trouble because Jacob deGrom in three and two-thirds innings gives up six runs or six hits and five runs, excuse me. He struck out seven, uh, but very hittable yesterday, ended up giving up a home run, so he gets chased in the fourth inning. And uh, the problem was, is Aaron Nola, the starter for the Phillies, was almost as bad. Uh, Four hits, five runs, a couple of walks. So he's out of there. So both starters are out of the game in the fourth inning, and they both pitched horribly. And this is another one. uh, 18 runs, 22 hits. Game lasted over three hours. And uh, the Rangers start things off for new manager Bruce Bochy with an 11-7 win over the uh, Philadelphia Phillies. And, uh, look, if you're the Rangers, you know this team can hit a little bit when you've got guys like Marcus Simeon and, and Seager. Uh, you know you know that, that they're going to be able to hit the ball. What they need is pitching. They did not get that from Jacob DeGrom. Now, DeGrom seems healthy. Uh, some of his pitches yesterday, over 100 miles an hour. So it looks like physically... He's okay. It's just a matter of, with him as whether or not he's going to be able to hold up or not. But uh, both World Series participants down in flames uh, yesterday. Um, I stayed up to watch some of the uh, the Padres game. Old friend Don Orsillo at the mic, of course, for the San Diego Padres. Uh, but I couldn't stay awake. I, I, and when you're taking steroids like I am, anytime you feel like a little bit tired, you take advantage of it and you, you go to sleep. But the... Uh, uh, the Padres lose to the Colorado Rockies 7-2. to uh, Blake Snell got the start for the Padres and could not get out of the fifth inning. Gives up six hits and three runs, and then the bullpen got whacked around a little bit. Herman uh, Marquez with the start for the Rockies. Six solid innings, just a couple of runs, and then the bullpen does a great job as uh, the San Diego Padres' season opener and home opener does not go the way the Padres uh, fans would have liked, just seven hits. Three of those hits... Xander Bogarts. When they, my wife was still up when the game started. And when they were introducing him and he was running out onto the field, and I just, I looked at Barb and I said, that hurts my soul. It, it really does. It still bothers me uh, that he's in San Diego. But that, that Padre lineup, look, there is no excuse with the top of this Padre lineup why they don't win that division unless their pitching completely falls flat on their face. But when you look at Trent Grisham leading off, triple last night, by the way, Juan Soto, Manny Machado, Xander Bogarts, and Jake Cronenworth. And then, of course, they signed Matt Carpenter, who seemed to you know, resurrect his career in New York last year. But when you look at that, that, that top of that lineup, man, they're going to score some runs. But uh, Blake Snell, after a really good first inning, really labored and uh, ended up uh, getting knocked out in the fifth inning through 93 pitches, just 56 of them for strikes in that one. Um, the Dodgers uh, open on the road at Arizona, and they have absolutely owned the Diamondbacks, and they do it again last night. Julio Urias gets the start, six innings, just a couple of runs. Uh, as they beat up on the Diamondbacks yesterday, the final in that one, 8-2. to two. Uh, Dodgers with 12 hits, uh, three of those from uh, their catcher, Smith. He drove in four, uh, and uh, it's going to come down to the Dodgers and the Padres again. I have the Dodgers. Uh, I picked the Dodgers to win the division. I still think the Padres may go to the World Series, but I still think the Dodgers, just because of their pitching staff, that's, I think, what's going to give them the leg up. Both these teams can hit, but I think the Dodgers' pitchers are uh, are far superior uh, to uh, what the uh, what the San Diego Padres have up and down that lineup. Um, other games from yesterday, the Pirates and the Reds, as if anybody really cares, but this actually turned out to be a fairly entertaining game. The Pirates uh, beat the Mets in that one uh, by a final of 5-4. to four. I already mentioned at the start of the game, Marcus Stroman uh, got the start for the Chicago Cubs and they beat the Milwaukee Brewers 4-0. Uh, I think the notable thing in this game uh, was Dansby Swanson, the new signing uh, for the Cubs. couple of nice plays yesterday. Um, had three hits in the game and uh, just uh, got his Cubs career off to a really good start. Uh, Corbin Burns was not great, the ace for the Milwaukee Brewers. Marcus Stroman, six innings, three hits. He struck out eight uh, through 90 pitches. And then the bullpen... Uh, three shutout innings. Michael Fulmer pitched the uh, final inning. Fulmer, a new acquisition for the Cubs coming over from the Detroit Tigers. Um, the Angels lose again on opening day. The Angels have now lost on opening day six straight times. <laughs> and they are 2-7 and seven all time against, uh, against the Oakland Athletics uh, in openers. 0-6 oh, in Oakland which is where the game was yesterday Shohei Otani um got the start you know and you figure well the way he pitched in the WBC you know and you 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 know he's going to win right well he pitched well it's not up to him he went 6 innings only gave up two hits he struck out 10 um but then they got to Aaron Loop in the 8th inning and Ryan Tepera came in to try to to save it and could not do it and Oakland ends up winning uh, this one by a final of two to one, but the uh, play of the game in this one—if you haven't seen the highlight, go to MLB uh, website or go to the MLB network and watch the watch the highlights. It's unbelievable the catch made by Hunter Renfro, going away from uh, the ball was hit on a line. He's going out. Looks like the ball is going to be over his head. He reaches up with his glove with his left hand and makes a no-look catch. He had no idea where this ball was. He just stuck his glove up and made the catch. It was unreal. It's like a no-look. You know, the guys like will make a no-look pass in basketball. They know where the guy's going to be, and so they just make the pass, even though they're not looking at him. This had to be what it was. He just kind of gauged where the, uh, the, the ball was going to land, stuck the glove up, and got lucky. Unbelievable catch. That was so much fun to watch, and people lost their minds, as, as and rightly so. Uh, the Minnesota Twins open the season with a shutout win as well. Uh, they pound the Kansas City Royals pitching for 10 hits. Uh, Pablo Lopez, who came over from the uh, Marlins, pitches five and a third shutout innings and then a great job by the bullpen. Yoan uh, Duran gets the save for Minnesota as they give up just those two hits. Zach Greinke got the start for the Royals. Pitched into the sixth, didn't pitch badly. Six hits and a couple of runs, but the bats were absolutely silent. Um, and uh, RBIs on this one for uh, Larnach and uh, Donovan Solano driving the runs for the Twins, and they get the season off on the right foot as well. Um, one other uh, quick note, and I should have mentioned this when we were talking about the uh, the Rockies game. Um, Daniel Bard, who is the closer for the Rockies, who had an unbelievable season last year, um, And uh, had 34 saves last year, and uh, but you knew something wasn't right with him when he was pitching in the WBC, and every time um, they brought him into the game, he had no idea how to throw a strike. He was all over the place, uh, hit a couple of guys. Just he wasn't right. And you wondered if those problems that he had in Boston were reoccurring, you know, where he he got, you know, for lack of a better term, uh, he got the yips again. And you wondered if he was okay. Well, it turns out that he's not okay, and he has been placed on the injured list by the Colorado Rockies for what has been described uh, as anxiety. and. Bard made a statement yesterday. He said, look, you know, he said, knowing myself, I think taking a step back and taking time to work through things to get it right is the best approach. And he said it was hard to admit, and he he thanked the Rockies for their understanding, and he said, you know, look, he said, I'm lucky uh, that I am in an organization that understands. You know, um, and if you remember when he was in Boston, he was pretty good for a few years, and then all of a sudden he just completely lost it. It's what happened. If you remember Rick Ann Keel, uh former pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals, um, who looked to be the next big thing. And then all of a sudden, he had the same problem. He couldn't throw a strike anymore. Ended up stepping away from baseball for a few years and came back, but not as a pitcher, came back as an outfielder and turned out to be not not just a hell of an outfielder, but a hell of a hitter as well. And uh, so the second half of his MLB career, um, was at a hit as a hitter and an outfielder, but Bart is 37 years old now, and you wonder if you know. Look, he came back in, in 2020, pitched a couple of years, and you wonder if maybe, uh, maybe he's reached the end of the road. And if and it, look, and there's no shame in that, you know. There's there's people in sports that have performance issues all the time, you know. And sometimes the, the mind is a is a funny thing, and you just never know. So uh, I hope he's okay. I knew something was wrong when I watched him in the WBC, but at the end of the day, uh, I hope that he is going to be okay and that if you know he's not able to come back, that he's able to walk away from the game with his head held high and said, hey, you know what, I came back, I gave it another shot, I pitched well, and uh, my time is done. And you hope it doesn't spiral into something else. And I don't think it will because after he had the problem the first time, uh, he actually started working with other athletes to try to help them Overcome some of the issues that he had. So uh, anyway, I just uh, just wanted to take a minute to uh, to wish him well and hope that uh, uh, that it's not the end of his career. But if it is, uh, he certainly uh, did a great job with the uh, the second act of his MLB career. Forty six minutes past. Yeah, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we've got a few other things to talk about. Of course, March Madness coming up. Final four for both the men and the women. Back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 48 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake-up call here on a Friday morning. So the final fours begin tonight. It'll be the women taking center stage tonight. Um, It'll be LSU and Virginia Tech. And then the one that everybody is looking forward to, South Carolina and Iowa. A lot of people think that uh, this might break records for uh, the most watched uh, women's basketball game of all time I don't know whether that's true or not but it will be interesting and what makes it even more interesting tonight was that yesterday Caitlin Clark from Iowa the junior has been named the Associated Press Player of the Year she received 20 of the 28 first place votes from the national media panel that votes on that every week um, or the votes on the uh, the top 25 each week. The voting was actually done before March Madness began. If it hadn't been, she might have gotten more than 20 votes because of course she had a uh, she had the first 40 point triple double in NCAA history to get her team into the final four. Um, she averaged 27 points, 8.3 assists and seven and a half rebounds uh, this season. Her team went 26-6. She has 984 points this year. That is the sixth most in a season by any player in Division One women's history. She also has over 300 assists, by the way. So uh, she can do a little bit of everything. And, I mean, she can shoot from anywhere. She, and she is a beast on the boards and, obviously, a good passer as well. So uh, And then, so tonight, she will go up against Aaliyah Boston of South Carolina, another Former Associated Press Player of the Year, so that should be a heck of a battle tonight. I am really looking forward uh, to that one, uh, and of course, the men's Final Four will begin tomorrow. It'll be uh, the first game will be Florida Atlantic and San Diego State, uh, two unlikely teams, I, I guess. Uh, Florida Atlantic, a nine seed; San Diego State, a five seed. Uh, Miami and UConn will be the late game tomorrow night. Um, You know, this is, you know, again, Miami, a nine seed, taking on a four seed UConn. And uh, UConn, the betting favorite, if you're into such things. UConn is the betting favorite to win this whole thing. But this Miami team is going to be a handful for UConn. Um, Now, Miami doesn't play a lot of defense. You know, if you look at the metrics, I think they're like 104th in the country in defense. But what they can do is they can shoot and they can score. You know, they are are a team that that can routinely score over 80 points a game. Now, the the good news for UConn is, is that their signature is their defense. So they are going to need to lock up those Miami guards because they love to shoot the three. So it is going to be a lot of fun to watch that one. And uh, no matter how it works out, we're going to have at least one team in the national championship game for the first time in its school history. And that is very, very cool. Uh, Either San Diego State or Florida Atlantic, neither one of them have ever been to to a, uh, a Final Four, let alone a championship game. So they're already in uncharted territory. San Diego State, has won just one NCAA championship in Division One, and that was a long, long time ago. And it was for a sport they don't even have anymore. It was for men's volleyball. They dropped men's volleyball back in the year two thousand, I think. Uh, that's the only time that that school has ever won uh, any kind of an NCAA championship in any sport. Uh, of course, UConn and Miami have certainly done that. I'm not sure about Florida Atlantic, but you know, Miami with their football team, of course, and uh, UConn uh, with men's and women's basketball and Uh, field hockey has won a bunch and uh, their soccer team has been uh, really good so UConn has been there in many sports before uh, but uh, a lot of these teams in uncharted territory so that's going to be a lot of fun to watch Uh, the women's championship game on Sunday the men's championship game coming up on Monday Uh, other college basketball news Brandon Miller uh, the freshman forward out of Alabama has declared for the NBA draft 6'9", 200 pounds. A lot of people think that he will be uh, a top-five pick. Uh, average 18 points a game, almost 19 points a game, eight rebounds, uh, shot 38% from three-point range, but has really struggled or did really struggle in the NCAA tournament. His March Mad- His scoreless in his first March Madness game and then went three for 19, scored just nine points in their Sweet 16 loss to San Diego State um great player but of course this is a kid that is more unfortunately for him is more known for being involved in that fatal shooting in January when he provided a gun uh to uh a fellow player and uh they ended up uh, fatally shooting somebody and uh after the news came out he was uh got death threats Had to have a university-provided security guard with him. And he said, you know, it doesn't bother me. Uh, You know, he said, I send it to the right people and they handle it. But when you look at his performance in the NCAA tournament after all that came out and, and everything he dealt with during the SEC tournament, you have to wonder if that didn't weigh on him. And you know and then when it happened in Alabama football when there was one of their recruits that was involved in something and he was suspended from the team immediately and you have Nick Saban saying there's no such thing as being in the wrong place at the wrong time kind of a direct shot taking at uh Brandon Miller and the Alabama basketball team so you wonder if that didn't play into all of this not just his poor performance uh in the Final 4 or in the, uh, the NCAA tournament Uh, but also his decision to leave Alabama and try to turn the page um, on his life and his career. Uh, The Boston Bruins win yesterday. They beat the Columbus Blue Jackets 2-1 in overtime. David Pasternak is 53rd goal of the season, 41 seconds into overtime, but most importantly, it gives the President's Trophy uh, to the Bruins. They clinched the best record in the NHL, meaning they will have home – ice advantage for as long as they are in the playoffs 121 points 58 wins um, they broke a tie with the uh, for franchise victory mark with the uh, 1970-71 team and they are four away from tying the NHL record of 62 that was set by the Red Wings back in 1996 and Tampa Bay back in 2019 uh, seven games left so they would need to win four games to set that record Uh, Carolina, their closest competitor um, in the uh, Eastern Conference, lost their game yesterday, so they fall farther behind, and that clinched it uh, for the Boston Bruins. Uh, The Celtics last night absolutely pummeled, absolutely pummeled. The uh, Milwaukee Bucks, who have the best record in the Eastern Conference in the NBA. The Bruins now two games behind Milwaukee, but the difference here is – the Bruins win the series against Milwaukee this year, two games to one. If they end up tying in the standings, the Bruins would have home uh, court advantage because of that. Uh, they beat the crap out of them 139-118 to 118 back on Christmas Day. The only time they lost to the Bucks this year, they lost in overtime on February 14th. And that's a game where Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, and Al Horford didn't play. And they lost in overtime without four of their starters. You know, I mean, so it shows you just how talented this Celtics team is. But they pick up the win last night, 140-99. to Jason Tatum had 40 last night. Jalen Brown had 30. uh, And the Celtics shot 22 of 43 from three-point range. I mean, just an absolute blistering. Uh, Celtics uh, need to keep winning. They can't not afford to stumble again after losing that horrible game to uh, Washington the other day. Uh, they will uh, host the Utah Jazz coming up on Friday. The Jazz on the outside looking into the playoffs right now. So that is a game they have to win. And the Bucks are going to have one. They're going to have their hands full. Uh, they host the Philadelphia 76ers on Sunday. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back Monday with another edition of the Wake Up Call. It is a big birthday day if you're famous. William Daniels. Uh, Mr. Feeney, remember him? Uh, And uh, he played John Adams in 1776. He's 96 years old today. Shirley Jones from the Partridge family. I didn't know she was still alive. She's 89 years old today. Uh, Christopher Walken's 80. Uh, Rhea Perlman from Cheers, 75 years old today. Uh, Ewan McGregor of uh, Star Wars fame and a bunch of other movies, 52. And Herb Alpert is 88 years old today. Remember Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass God? My father loved them. Well, I can tell you we have never played Herb Alpert on the air uh, on this station before until now. On our way out, here's a little whipped cream from Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass. We'll see you on Monday. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.